two for the price of one. That's amazing. Uh, we haven't had uh, Joshua come and share with us. We've got to have that. Uh, but um, Rabbi Schiffman has been with us before. And so I don't really need to introduce him to you because you know about him. But let me tell you something uh, about him. Um, in the darkest times of our struggle with Braden's illness, I would get calls from Michael. I'm not saying rabbi, I'm saying Michael, my friend. And he would ask me how I was doing and tell me he was praying. He even notified me once from the Western Wall that he had prayed for Braden. That kind of connection, and, and we connect intellectually, but we connect at the heart in, uh, in some very special ways. And so um, I want you to hear his heart because his heart is for people. He is, a, he is a giver of care to the least who are forgotten in many ways. And it is wonderful to be uh, a friend of his. And it is wonderful to have him be willing to share with us. So I'm going to turn it over to him. Is this on? Yep. It is good to be back here. Uh, I understand there was a ladies' retreat. I'm just amazed at how quickly and completely they all took off. <laughs> I won't take it personally, though. Uh, I'm going to talk about our ministry, Hevra, uh, which means friendship. But I'll, I like to tie everything to Scripture. It's just something I like to do. In Matthew chapter 5, Yeshua says, you are the salt of the earth. Let me ask a question. How many of you woke up this morning and really felt like the salt of the earth? You just felt that those crystals, you know. Not really, right? Does, wasn't it, you know, says, but if it loses its flavor, how shall it be made salty again? And then he says, you are the light of the world. Once again, how many of you really got up this morning and you felt like the light of the world? You were blazing. Nobody. Of course, all the ones that were blazing blazed out of town for this weekend, I guess. But Yeshua says, not do you feel like the light of the world. He said, you are the light of the world. It's not how we feel. It's, it's who we are. And we don't often think of ourselves as the light of the world. We think of him as the light of the world. But he doesn't say that. He says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. And you don't put a light, a light a light, and put it under a basket. Instead, you put it on a lampstand so that it gives light to the whole house. And then he says, in the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. That's a key verse. 
let your light, light of the world that you are, shine before men. That goes against a lot of the way we think we're supposed to live. You know what I mean? We're not supposed to shine our light. We're supposed to shine his light. We're supposed to make ourselves nothing. But he says, you shine your light and let people see it that they might give glory to your Father in heaven. Now, why doesn't that really happen? If you've noticed in our society, which you almost have to be in a vacuum not to have noticed, we live in a place where faith, real faith, is not really respected in our society. Um, I don't know how, uh, how uh, sensitive you are to social media, uh, but I'm on there quite a bit. I interact with people, and it's, it's kind of like a mission field in some ways. But uh, I'm there, and you know who gets a lot of heat when, when there's a problem and people say, we're sending our prayers. And people are saying, well, what good is sending your prayers? It, the value of prayer has dropped considerably in the society we live in. Why is that? Because saying you're sending your prayers is like saying best wishes or I'm thinking good thoughts. But you know, if I'm in trouble, I don't need your good thoughts. I mean, it doesn't do me any good at all. Prayer has value, not because, you know, I'm going to see miraculous things happen so much, but because of the ones the one I pray to and because his response to me because he loves me and because I love him. Most of my prayer is not this, you know, dramatic. Uh, I, I'm not big on drama. My sister's a drama queen and, you know, uh, I had my life's worth of it already. Uh we were at the UMJC conference this summer, and I had kind of a miraculous thing happen just before the conference. I have worn eyeglasses for 50 years, uh, and in the past year, my eyes had gotten progressively worse. Uh, I've had to have my prescription changed several times. Well, in July, I was driving around and I realized I cannot read the road signs. So I thought, I better call my eye doctor. I go in and the eye doctor says, well, yeah, your eyes have changed again, but something really strange happened. You went from being nearsighted to farsighted, thinking that's not bad. And he goes, well, that's bad because that means you've got a, a worse underlying problem like diabetes. Because uh, I'd appreciate if you went and got your eyes, you know, your uh, blood sugar checked. And I was thinking, I don't have diabetes. But I was having my annual physical the next day. And I told him, he said, good, I want you to call me after the physical and tell me what your blood sugar is. So I went in. I had the best physical of my life. 
I mean, it doesn't mean I have a great physical, but it was the best physical I've ever had. My cholesterol was low. The good cholesterol was high. The bad cholesterol was low. I had lost six pounds, which is always good to hear. You know, and uh, overall, it was good. And I said, oh, by the way, what is my blood sugar? He said, 94. If you know blood sugar, 94 is good. And I don't watch it. I don't take meds for it. Everything was great. So I called the eye doctor. I said, my eyes are acting strange again anyway. He goes, come back. I told him, not a problem with, with um, diabetes. He said, this is really strange, and I've never seen this before. And I'm thinking, what? He said, well, yesterday your vision was 2200, and today in your left eye it's 2020, in your right eye it's 2030. Uh, he said, I, I don't believe it, but it's documented, so it really happened. You notice I'm, I still need reading glasses, but I can see okay across the room. Uh, I, would, I call that kind of a miracle. But you know what was not there? Nobody was yelling, praying and yelling and screaming over me. I didn't fall over, back or forward. Um, nobody prayed at all. It just happened. And the closest I came to praying about it was, uh, I have macular degeneration. My grandmother had it and went blind from it. And I, I, when I found out I had it, I said, Lord, please don't let me go blind like my grandmother. That's the closest I came to praying about it. In other words, no drama. The biggest drama about it is telling you about it right now. I hope you're enjoying it. Um, God doesn't always act that way. But God works and he moves. And he says, you are the light of the world. Whether you feel it or not, whether you like it or not, that is what you are. Let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and give glory to your Father in heaven. We're not big on good deeds. We're more like believe the right thing. You know what I mean? People focus on that. But, you know, nobody, it doesn't say you're the light of the world. Believe the right thing that people may see. And it says, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds. That's important because the way people see Yeshua is not by the faith we profess, although it's good. I was looking through, you know, hymnals are good that way. They're they kind of tell you where you are spiritually, what you believe. I noticed you had O Canada in there. I'm not sure what that means. But, you know, I love come thou font of every blessing. and You know, um, it's a good thing. But people see the Lord in us by the things we do. I became a believer in Yeshua in 1973 not because somebody shared magic verses with me. You know which ones those are, right? Isaiah 53, Psalm 22, all the ones that point to Yeshua being the Messiah. But you know something? Didn't move me at all. 
fact, I shocked people when they showed me those. What do you think? So what? They were, they were horrified because they wanted me to drop to my knees and go, he is Lord. And I was thinking, I don't care. And then they tried to, you know, take me to, they, they took me to see uh, Josh McDowell, who uses, you know, the arguments from C.S. Lewis. He had to be Lord, liar, a lunatic. And they go, what'd you think? I go, interesting, but really doesn't do it for me. And people were frustrated with me. Why isn't he accepting the Lord? You know when I accepted the Lord? When I saw Yeshua in the lives of my friends, in the way they treated people, through the kindness they exhibited. It's harder to do that. It's easier just to believe the right thing. You know, to go, yeah, I affirm the Apostles' Creed. Yeah, I affirm, you know, uh, all the great doctrines. I believe in the virgin birth. I be, you know, great, but you know, that doesn't lead anybody to the Lord. Because it's not attractive. In the world we live in, what is attractive is when people see Yeshua in us. Because, my friends, we are quite resistible but God is irresistible. Yeshua is irresistible. And they only see him through the things we do. It's that let your light shine before men. That people might see your good deeds because they reflect him. And give glory to your Father in heaven. That is what the philosophy is behind the work of Hevra. We feed starving people. We feed Jewish people who are in need in the former Soviet Union. Currently, we're feeding close to 1,400 people every month. They eat five days a week. Uh, they get hot food, good food. If we had access to video equipment, I had beautiful pictures of this stuff, of the people and the food. Um, I, I visit there several times a year. We, uh, jo Rabbi Joshua was uh, just there this summer, uh, traveled with Hevra. Uh, it's an important thing because the people that are there are Jewish people. And their feeling mostly is God has turned his back on us. They know the Bible says we are God's people. And they wonder why as he turned his back on us, we, by feeding them, are showing them the love of God, the love of Yeshua, not by bringing a tract. That's great, but you know, when somebody's hungry and they haven't eaten, all they're thinking of is, I can't wait for him to stop talking so I can start eating. And it's through feeding people that we touch people's lives. We've had really, you know, this is like an update. You guys have heard me speak before. You know, you know what our ministry is. But let me tell you something. We've had great open doors happen uh, lately, things I wouldn't have expected. Not dramatic, but nevertheless kind of miraculous. Uh, we are cooperating with the Jewish organizations to reach Jewish people. Well, how does that happen? 
uh, a lot of the funding they had were invested uh, in Bernie Madoff's um, Ponzi schemes. They didn't know they were Ponzi schemes, but they lost millions of dollars. And so they've had to close down a lot of the humanitarian works that the Jewish organizations were uh, funded by. And we've been working there 25 years. And they asked if we would help them. So to the limited extent that we can, uh, we've been helping, cooperating with Jewish organizations. What's good about that? The testimony of 25 years of helping has paid off. The second thing is, how do you find Jewish people to know that you're feeding them? The, the Jewish organizations are giving us lists of names. They're giving us the people that we can help them. So it makes our job a lot easier. And so we're able to accomplish our ministry much easier uh, as a result of it. And uh, it used to be when we would visit and we'd see someone from the Jewish, Jewish organizations, they looked at us with suspicion. Why are they here for? What are they trying to do? Now they go, these are our co-workers. Uh, we, we have an open door. Uh, so, so actually because of something bad, something good has come out of it. It's a wonderful opportunity. Our biggest problem is always the lack of funds. We have funds uh, that we have from basically individuals. As you know, we're not uh, funded by, you know, Bill Gates doesn't send us any money. He doesn't return my calls. But, uh, of course, I have to make them. But um, we're funded largely, almost exclusively, through uh, individuals. Uh, it literally costs 30, actually, I've been telling people 33, but there's a war going on in Ukraine right now. And because of that war, costs have gone up a bit. So we're saying basically $36 a month uh, feeds somebody for a month. It's not a lot of money. If you think about it, how much is a tank of gas these days? It's not even a tank of gas. Uh, what does it cost to go out to eat? Where could you go on 36 bucks? You know, you're not going to be at Ruth Chris. Uh, but, you know, for not much, you can change someone's life. In a village in Ukraine, it's, I believe it was Drohovich in the Borislav region, we had this old lady... Uh, was sitting there along with the other people at the soup kitchen. And I came in to visit, and she calls me over. And she was a heavy woman. You get people who are hungry who are heavy over there because their diets are like almost exclusively carbs, and it's not good for them. Uh, she grabs me by the arm, kind of the way my grandmother used to. She, her name was Rita. And she goes, I want to express gratitude. Now, the way we are is we never want people to feel beholding to us. You know, so I said, for what? And she said, for the soup kitchen. I said, you don't have to thank me, it's my job. Just didn't want her feeling obligated. She grabbed my hand tighter. And she said, 
you don't understand, which is quite possible. I rarely do understand. And she said, before communism ended, I was the main physician for this oblast, for this region. And I'm living on $35 a month. If it weren't for the soup kitchen, I would be dead. And all the people you see here would be dead. And we want you to know that we are grateful for the soup kitchen. And I was like, what do you say? What can you say? I found something to say. I said, Rita, a woman like you should never have been in this situation. It's not your fault. And we are grateful for the opportunity to be able to help you. Because it is a blessing to help others. And we talk so much about wanting people to know God. We talk about wanting people to see the light of Yeshua, the light of God in our lives. But the scriptures talk about helping the poor, assisting the needy. Even Paul, in uh, his writings, said, we took up offerings for the poor of Jerusalem. Why? Is it a matter of a debt? No, it's a matter of they're hungry and nobody's helping them. And these people need our help. I was in uh, a city called Berdansk, which is hard to get to because you fly from Kiev to uh, Zaporozhye, which is in central Ukraine. And then you take a four-hour van ride uh, to uh, Berdansk. Berdansk is on the Caspian, not Caspian, it's on the Sea of Azov. Uh, you can Google it later. Uh, but uh, it's a port on the Black Sea. It was uh, barricaded by the Russians during this war. It's close to the, to the, front, the Russian front, uh, the, you know, the front of the war there. And the reason it takes about four hours to get there is because there are so many potholes from artillery uh, you have to drive like 25 miles an hour to get around, and uh, it's, it's really something. Uh, we hired a van to take us down there, and the driver was complaining that we weren't paying him enough, which they always do because they want more. And he goes, how much do drivers get to drive on roads like this in America? And, of course, they know you're American. They also want more. And I said... I hate to tell you this, we don't have roads like this in America. And it's true, we don't. And we, went, we got down there, and we went to the office of the Jewish Federation, and they were happy to see us. And we talked about the needs. We were feeding about 35 people in that soup kitchen, which we started because that area has refugees from the war zone. And... Uh, we have another 10 people that we wanted to add, but they're shut-ins. They cannot get to the soup kitchen because it's, the, soup, the soup kitchen there is upstairs from a bakery uh, where they run a little uh, like 
they call them canteens there, but a canteen is kind of like what we'd call a cafeteria. And uh, I always make it a practice to eat there. I want to see what they're getting. It's kind of like a surprise inspection. They had chicken Kiev. It was delicious. Uh, and they had mashed potatoes. It was, it, it was good food. Um, I couldn't believe they're getting this, like every day, not the same food, but the same quality of food every day. $36 a month. It's like nothing. But they're eating. We want to add people, but to, for the shut-ins, we have to pay people to... to it's like me, they need meals on wheels. Uh, and we have to pay people extra for the gas and the time and the whatever else. So we're still working on that but we could easily add people. Uh, the kind of help we need for Hevra, honestly, is because, let me just say, I realize not everybody sitting here is in a position to go to Ukraine and help people or to go anywhere and help people. But we can be your arm to help these people because this is what we do. And we've appreciated very much the support that this congregation has been, the people in the congregation. I've occasionally gotten emails from people uh, asking what's going on, how can we help, what can we do. Uh, so I'm here, but nobody shows. You know, but um, I'm sorry, it's just, it, it's the humor I was raised with. But, um, but the fact is, we do rely on you guys to help support, whether one person, two people, whatever, it makes a difference for them. For me, it won't make a difference. I'll go on my life as it is. But for them, it makes a life and death difference. And it's something that most of us can do. And it doesn't take a lot. Uh, the people who sign up on our, if they go to our website, you know, we have a PayPal thing. Uh, you can give once, so you can get, they can sign up for a monthly automatic. Uh, but it makes a real difference for them. Um, I'm not much of a fundraiser, but I can tell you what we're doing. And I can tell you, you make a real difference in people's lives. And when you do that, you are letting your light shine before men. And they give glory to God for it. Thank you very much. <laughs>